Thank you for joining us today. My name is Maccabee Griffin. And I'm Marcella. And this is Beyond the Pen, where we take the well-known adage, read between the lines to a whole new level and beyond. Each week we sit down with a new author to not only discuss one of their books, but also learn the story behind the story. Hello, Marcella. Hi, Mac. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. So today's episode, you've brought us an interesting um, author today because of the fact that not only is she an educator, but she was Luna's teacher, she was correct? Teacher. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. We were fortunate enough to have her replace two other teachers who didn't understand Luna. Not that it's, that it's their fault, but this is an amazing woman mm -hmm. who loves my daughter genuinely and has been such an impactful person in her life. I can tell just by her by her writing, because here's the thing about it is it's very uh, satirical in her fiction in terms of what it makes you think about. Yes. And that's a beautiful. Are you, jealous? Are you jealous? I am. I am jealous. I'm always jealous. I'm always, always jealous anyways, but for everybody else, you know, our guest today may or may not be teaching us a lesson in what our world can look like if things keep going the way it is. History has seen stories like this where people steal to survive the impact greed can have when given authority over others, and even the idea of how far some people will go to keep order. All this and more as we talk to our author, Tracy Aubach, about her book, The Sin Soldiers, book one of the Fragment series. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Tracy Aubach. Tracy, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So. As we always have with all of our authors, we'd like for you to just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe something that not a lot of people know about you. Well, um, I am a teacher. I was a science teacher for many years um, for the New York um, Department of Education. And I recently went back into the classroom and I love it because um I have closer relationships with my students now, and um, I I um, studied filmmaking actually in college and English, and I never had the idea to be a teacher. I was actually going to be a filmmaker. That's something that is kind of a fun fact. I worked in um, film and TV production for several years before I decided um, to do something a little more soul satisfying, and I went from that into teaching. And um, that's when I started writing as well. Well, I can definitely uh, see that in your writing because it really does feel like a film when you're reading it. And I believe one of the uh, reviews of it is that if unless you have time to sit down and read this, don't start because you will read it for the rest of the day. And I, I, I definitely can... Uh, I can actually agree with that because it is one of those books that you really just want to sit down and just continuously read it over and over again. Because I noticed that when I was starting to read, reread certain things, I started to notice a couple of things that I didn't catch the first time. And I will get into that, but 
Could you possibly give us a little bit of a summary about what your book is about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's called The Sin Soldiers, and it's about soldiers who um, are basically um, weaponized versions. The question is, if we could weaponize human vice and virtue, addiction, um, just all the worst qualities in a person, and actually weaponize our primal instincts and control them, what kind of a monster would that create? And um, it's about um, a futuristic society where that has come to pass, where they have these seven soldiers named after the seven deadly sins, where they give them injections to weaponize some of their more primal instincts. And um, they weaponize what they need based on the purpose the soldier is going to serve. Wow. Well, that's definitely um, very, what's the word I want to say? You can definitely check that out at the beginning. You can definitely see that at the beginning because your characters, characteristics of soldiers as berserkers that were chemically induced, as you said, by their handlers, and yet created this image that they were being used as, at least at the beginning, as eye candy for basically the the uh, inebriated and hormone-driven women that threw themselves money and everything else at them. Why was this so important to show them in this light? Was it to create the empathy? I think it's just to upplay the spectacle that these soldiers are being used for a purpose, but I mean, everyone wants to see the spectacle. Like, how bad can it get? Like, what does it look like? when humans are completely controlled by their basest impulses. And a lot of it's about addiction and weaponizing addiction, basically um, creating monsters who are so addicted that they will do anything for positive reinforcement. Um, and um, people who prey on that, people who want to see it. Um, and that's kind of what the future of um, spectacle clubbing and just debauchery looks like. And then the soldiers have this alternate purpose of, you know, working as guards and working as weapons. But just it's it's um, I think just stripping them of their humanity as characters as much as possible. And then as you keep reading, finding out what humanity remains and um, how it became that bad. So, Tracy, um, curious, what in your life inspired this frame of thought, this thought process that went into creating these characters? I have always been fascinated by human nature. Um, <clears throat> I'm uh, very into psychology and um, just things I've seen in my life, um, you know, impulse control, issues with impulse control, issues with, with addiction, issues with um, just rage even, you know, base um, instincts like that. Just, I've seen so much of it around me. Obviously, you see so much of it in the news and in the world. Just um, kind of the feeling of what would happen if that was bottled. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that about the characteristics of what it would be like, because we notice that in literally every character that's in the book that I've seen so far in terms of the main characters, because I noticed that there was a interesting uh, interaction between uh, Charlie, Tess, and Kai. 
And I wanted to know, because there has to be some type of backstory between them, because I noticed when there was, uh, when Kai was brought into the room with Tess and Charlie, Charlie was more of this alpha male, like, I don't care, care. I'm this man that's in like the, the egotistical male. But for Tess, it was almost like she was almost jealous in a way. But there was something there be- when she started to ask, like, where you were from, that she started pacing back and forth a bit. And I wanted to know if there really was something there or if I'm just seeing something that's not there. So there's um, there's kind of there's phases of these characters. It's when they're completely under the thrall of these drugs that are given them, when the drugs are wearing off, which is kind of what you're seeing in that waking scene with Kai. And then there's who they were before that and what happened before that. And there's um, there's a big history with Tessa and Charlie that, you know, kind of comes to light. And when you first meet them, it's, you know, how can these people have this connection when they're like this? But it's also the fact that they weren't always like this and they're not always like this. And just as they've been broken you know, what remains of who they were before. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that broken part because it really interacts with the story itself because it almost feels like that is the theme of it in a way, obviously with the, the seven deadly sins as being the main viewpoint of all this. But for me as an actor, as a character creator and stuff like this, it's always something interesting to see, okay, what broke them? How did they get broken? So I wanted to see if you could actually give us a little bit of a background story on at least Tess and uh, Charlie, possibly Marco as well. Well, um, the soldiers are raised. They're bred, genetically engineered, and raised um, in a compound where they're, um, they're kind of, pre-genetically disposed to have these qualities in them. And then as they um, get older, once they come of age, when they're 15, they start receiving these injections. So who they were before that starts to disappear, but it's not forgotten. So even though they're these broken, damaged creatures, they still have those experiences that made them who they were. They still have those relationships that they had. And if they formed a a human connection with someone before that, it's not just going to go away. Um, These are people who, you know, are trying to maintain some of their humanity and also doing what they have to do to survive. And one reason that the, um, the trilogy is called the Fragments Trilogy, not only for the crystal fragments, but also but because of how broken the people are and what fragments of who they were remain. Yeah, because you can actually really tell that, especially when after the the morning came when Kai actually woke up and Marco, who was the handler for Charlie, actually came in and gave the cake and the the drink to him and just let him just gluttonly eat it and drink it in front of these two women that were just starving. You could tell just by the interaction obviously with the word and with Kai, but with Tess, it was literally, she went over to that plate and was just trying to at least eat some type of crumb or get some type of drop of whatever that liquid was in the bottle. And it also made me think of the interaction between men and women 
within this world. Now, I don't know if it is something that's just behind the scenes that was almost like inspiring you to, to present this in a way, or was this actually uh, a very conscious idea of, okay, if we don't start changing our ways, we're going to come down this road. It was, it's more of, um, more of the fact of them feeling, I think, sorry for each other of, yeah, men are going to be used in that way because they're bigger and stronger. And that's going to be their reinforcement and their control. But as you read, you see that um, Tessa, who is also a soldier, has her controls. And one of them is Charlie and her feelings about him and her loyalty towards him. And that is a big control for Tessa. So whereas they might be using just like um, physical reinforcements for him. They're actually using him against her at the same time. So um, as an, an author, a writer myself, and I'm sure Mac must, uh, will probably get this. Are any of your characters based on people that you know, maybe your family members, your children, yourself? Um, I, it's so interesting. They're not based on people. They're based on more, um, Urges. Like I've always been like a binger. Like I will, I will binge watch a Netflix um, show like till four in the morning. I, I will read till the book is done. You know, if I, ha I'm not like a one cookie type of person. So those like addictive tendencies, those like that more, 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 I, I kind of thought like, you know, so many people have this, could it be weaponized? Like, what could we do with it? And then um, as you meet the character Finn, uh, who's another um, complex character that, I love, um, he kind of embodies that rage, that self-righteous, just like anger that I felt. So they're not really based after, based um, on any kind of um, people. They're more based on emotions, I think, different aspects of um, my personality and, and the personalities of my loved ones, just like, um, you know, they're based off of moods. So you're... Um... You've written how many altogether? I know there's three in this series. So yeah, there's three in this series. And then um, I have um, an urban fantasy mm -hmm. novel called Sons of Fire. And I wrote a book when I was um, much younger called The Human Cure. That is um, just a shorter novel. And that's also um, an adult urban fantasy. So how has your family supported this? Have, have your children read your books yet or any? any so um, my older son, Jack, read the Fragments trilogy and Sons of Fire. Um, there is some adult content. Um, so my younger son, Sean, who's 11, um, I tell him the same thing I tell my students. You, know, you can read it when you're a little older. Um, with Jack, I actually read um, the first um, Fragments book to him out loud. It was a read aloud. We did together. And I really enjoyed that experience. And um, the second two, um, he read on his own. And he did like them. And I, I spoke to him about them. So that, that was a great um, bonding experience. One of the other things I kind of picked up on is that there are, in terms, little parts of ideas that are almost close to the Milgram experiment. And for those who don't know what that is, the Milgram experiment was an experiment that was done, I believe back in the 70s, 60s or 70s, um, that 
when someone with authority was given the capability of looking at uh, someone else on the other side of a mirror or of a, of a slide and given the opportunity to give them a shock if they answered wrong or if they stepped out of the line. And obviously during that time, they noticed that thankfully they didn't really do this because if they did, a lot of those people would probably be dead. Now, I noticed that when you look at a lot of the characters in those powerful uh, positions, that was somewhat of the same way that they were they were acting. And I didn't know if that was somewhat of an idea that helped inspire you to write this as well. Not specifically that, but the theory that um, it really takes a certain kind of personality to how to hold that kind of power to desire power and then hold it over someone else. So, whereas um, I really think that the soldiers are more sympathetic characters than the handlers because the handlers have no one controlling them. And um, Marco, I think in, in a lot of ways is, is the real bad guy in a lot of the scenes because he's a bit of a sadist. He's someone who seemed like he was insecure and like all bullies um, enjoys holding power over people and making others suffer to make himself feel better. Yeah. Cause you could definitely tell that, especially at the beginning when Charlie actually uh, is about to what almost looks like cannibalism onto Kai at the beginning. And Marco's literally just hitting that bunk, that button to just shock them both and yeah. doesn't even care. And then especially when it comes to that cake scene again, he is very sadistic when he's let he's just watching the interactions of these two young starving ladies while this guy just eats and drinks away. And he's got this grin of just like, I'm loving this. And then just goes on his way. He's like, welcome to the enlistment. Yeah. Um, so here's the other thing I wanted to ask you, because this really helps us to think about what the government is acting like based on around the what we've seen and talked about so far, it almost makes me feel like it's a, uh, a plutocratic um, oligarchy, oligarchy uh, when it comes to this type of government. And for those who don't know what that is, um, I'll read exactly what it says. It's like, it says uh, when a tyrannic government is ruled by a specific few, the wealthy in this case, that rely on public obedience or oppression using a ruthless military presence to exist. Now, I thought it right at, to the point of this about how this was very satirical of our world, so especially in our history. So was this intentional as well, or was this merely you know, an unconscious idea that just happened to come out when you were writing? No, that was intentional about um, a small group of people, in this case, the Science Council, that controls the public with these soldiers that um, are, you know, how much human are they and how much weapon are they is, is up for debate. But that's, um, they have this weapon that they use to control the public and also to get the, the wealth that the planet um, has to offer. Um, to mine the crystals and the crystals are used for energy and the energy is what how money is um, how that's how the economy works so you start to get more of an idea of a larger view of the world as you read but um, those tidbits are there from the very beginning 
Yeah, because I noticed that there was almost a um, a little bit of a, a resemblance to an older, an old, uh, what was it? An old 19, I think it was 1926, 1927, uh, black and white silent film called Metropolis. And it showed a lot of the difference between the hierarchies in if you were wealthy, you got to enjoy everything. And if you had nothing, you were the working class. You were down in the dirt. You were giving all these uh, the resources up to the wealthy. So I hadn't I haven't seen that film, but um, but it does sound like that. Yeah. So the reason, like I said, the reason why I was bringing that up is because we have noticed especially through history, a lot of this. And I can obviously the, one of the biggest examples of that is uh, the Nazis and yeah. how they used all of this power to control a small group of people. So why was it important for you to show that? Was it just, just because you wanted to teach us about, you know, how this is in history compared to now or. Um. Not necessarily um, to teach, but I guess to show what the next level would be, like um, to look at those experiences and think, well, what would be the next level bad of this? What like the Nazis took over um, countries. So what what if someone could take over a planet that way and everyone? So um, I guess showing the next level of it. Um, but in a lot of ways, um, the book is more about the smaller pieces involved about the soldiers as characters and the people who interact with them. And just when something like that happens, the individual soldiers, are they the bad guys? What if they have no control over themselves? What about the people who are controlling them or the people who are controlling the handlers? Where does it start? So a lot of it um, is just showing how these um, pockets of history that you're talking about, what role human nature played in it, and who is the real bad guy. And I think those are just questions that I have circulating in my head a lot. Um, just, you know, curiosities about psychology, and also obviously um, drawing upon things from history, things that have fascinated me, experiments like the one you spoke about. Um, you know, even there's the marshmallow experiment with little kids where you give them a marshmallow and you leave the room and you say, you know, if you can resist this until I get back, you can have two marshmallows. Just all of these human nature experiments about how much of our aspects can we control and what could happen if that could be manipulated. And what I think about that is really interesting is the fact, like you said, it's all about the behavior. It's all about creating this idea of, okay. We're going to give these people the power. Let's see what happens with it. We're going to use these humans as basic animalistic weaponry to control something else or someone else and see how far we can push it. And here's the other thing I wanted to ask real quick in terms of the science council. Was there a idea of them being just this evil conglomerate? I can say the word uh, that is just controlling everything because they want to have that power that they're full of that greed or is it that hey they have a specific idea of how to save this world and they're just willing to do the worst things to save everybody you find out a lot more about that as the books go on 
and you find out a lot more. And I don't want to give too much away because you do find out a lot more about the origins and the history of the Science Council and what drove them to begin this Ooh. and how it evolved. So, so I know that this is a trilogy, but I, I have to ask, is there going to be because I'm like skimming through it while we're <laughs> while we're talking here. But um, is there going to be an extension? Are, are you doing anything else? Are you going to continue to write? Yes. Um, so I am writing um, just a fantasy novel right now. And um, this trilogy is done. Um, people have asked me, are you going to write, you know, what happened? There's, there's, there's a, it's a teeny drop open-ended because I always love to leave things open-ended. But um, just in terms of my opinion of it, it's um, a complete work. And right now I'm working on kind of um, a dark fairy tale fantasy for adults. That's definitely up Marcello's alley. That's for sure. Yeah. You're reading my mind. I was just going to say, love to compare notes someday. Yeah. Shoot. You could be probably one of the characters in it. (laughs) (laughs) So we have come to the point where Marcella has her great questions that she loves to ask every author. So Marcella. What what is your writing kryptonite? Um, Chronic rewriting. Um, This book, um, The Sin Soldiers, I I wrote this as a totally different book. Same character, same theory, but I it was a different title. The characters were different. The plot was different. Just and then I said, nope, nope, never mind. And I scrapped the whole thing and I started from the beginning. And I think I rewrote it about five times before I was ready to shop it around to agents. And I did the same thing with, um, this is my um, standalone um, urban fantasy, Sons of Fire, same thing. And the book I'm working on now, I'm up to like rewrite number three. Um, I write it and then I say, nope, that's no good. Forget it. And I redo it. I think that's the first time we've ever heard that. Yeah. <laughs> that is definitely the first time yeah. we've heard it. And I, it's definitely something that both of us do yeah. every time. So, yeah. You yeah. have this idea and you want it to be perfect. And it's like, no, that was close, but nope. And I can't just go through it and change things. I actually have to restart it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so long. I can't tell you how that <laughs> I saw Max face. I said, oh, yeah. All right. Last question. Um, Is there a famous quote that inspires you to keep writing? I love the quote um, by Einstein. And I've, I've said this to my students many times. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Um, And you know, what's so funny. That's exactly what I do with my writing. (laughs) I rewrite it over and over again, but um, I always try to change something. Like, um, I'll change part of the formula. Um, and, um, hopefully it comes out a little bit better or, um, just a little bit closer to that perfect idea that I had in my head that I want to desperately get on paper. You know what? That's, we need to continue this talk because that is literally how me and Marcella on literally everything that we do. I'm over here thinking, when is she going to be on the show again? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah i was like yeah we need to re- we need to start another one too about like the just the behaviors of authors and how we can just like 
reiterate everything on that. So that's an idea for us, not anybody else. So no one else touched that. That's Ooh. that's copyrighted. It's copyrighted. <laughs> Anyways, well, Tracy, thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Sure. And thanks for having me. No problem. And I want to give you the chance to, you know, take the floor, tell people where they can find you, if there's any live events that you're going to be a part of, or any future dates where you're going to be releasing your next uh, book. I don't have any release dates right now. Unfortunately, all my um, touring got put on a halt with COVID. I was going to be doing BookCon at the Javits Center with my publishing house. I, I had a whole tour schedule and it kind of came to a screeching halt with COVID. So I'm just starting up again now with some touring. And um, when this new book comes out, I'll definitely um, let people know. Um, you could find my books on Amazon. Um, my publisher is um, the Parliament House, Parliament House Press. And um, you can just um, look up my name on Amazon and it has my author page. You could also go to tracyhourback.com. Um, and that is my website. Thank you so much, Tracy Auerbach, for being on our show and introducing us to the Sin Soldiers. All right, Marcella. So what did you think? Well, say I it, I'm hear it. You you always want to hear me say it. Fine, I'll say it. You did it again, Marcella. Yeah, thank, thank you. We need to end the show that way every time. <laughs> <laughs> I am not blowing up your ego that much. You don't okay? have to. <laughs> that's true. Well, yeah, that's true. I don't need anyone to do that for me. But it's nice to hear because I, I'm really good at um at finding, finding people. people who who will resonate with so many others that listen to us. Just amazing authors. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There's a lot of underlying themes here that I don't think if she wasn't on here that people would not have noticed. And I'm glad that she was able to explain a little bit further, like the behind the scenes thought process when it came to her creating this world as well as these characters. And the fact that she actually had to rewrite this multiple times makes me feel better as a first time writer saying, okay, good. I know at least, you know, people that are veterans at this have done this multiple times just for one book. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us today. We appreciate you. We love you. And like always keep writing, keep inspiring and keep sharing as you go beyond the pit.